Boys and ghouls, welcome to episode 77 of Dads from the Crypt, the Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. Tonight, I'm joined by Mondo. Hello, Jason. Hello, Mondo. Jordy is out. However, we have a special guest. She is the host of the Who's There podcast, with which Jody, Mondo, and I have been guests on. She's also the only person on this recording who has met Jody in person. Her name is Allison Broder. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited Thanks. to be here. Thanks for coming on. So how is Jody in person? Oh, he's Tell great. Us. Yeah. Um, no, he's great in person. He's basically the same as he is over Zoom, except he has legs. So I was wondering about that. Yeah, he has, he has two legs. I can <laughs> totally verify. Is, is okay. Jody also tall? <laughs> no, I don't remember. Is he tall? I, I can't remember. <laughs> okay. I think he's like maybe average height. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I always forget he's pretty average. For some reason, I thought he was oh. as tall as Jason. And I'm like, we can never hang out together because they're definitely no. going to assume we're a throuple and I'm definitely at the bottom in that situation. So, Allison, tell us about Who's There. Uh, so, Who's There is a podcast that I started because I love talking to people about horror movies and what they love. Um, I interview a new horror fan or creative every week and I just talk to them about um, why they love horror, how they got into it, what their favorites are, things like what they won't watch, um, and what their boundaries are, why they think other people love horror, and what they're working on if they're in the industry and are creative, anything like that. Nice. And it was, it, you started that during quarantine, right? Yeah. I think I put my first episode out like beginning of September 2020. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So a, a big part of your podcast was like, so how's the quarantine going? What? Uh, how are you holding up? Yeah. 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 I like my last question is always who would you, um, what horror villain would you want to be in quarantine with? Which I don't know when I should retire that question since we're no longer in quarantine. I think it's a good standing question. Yeah. I yeah. kind of I like that question because, yeah, it makes you think. <laughs> and, and one thing I love about, about, uh, your podcast and actually your, your, kind of love of horror is that you're not traditional if that makes sense like you have no problem shitting on the classics and i mean that in the best way possible because i think a lot of times we look back at some of those older movies as with rose-colored glasses like i go on a limb whenever anyone talks about the amitable horror i'm like oh the fucking the 2005 ryan reynolds version blows the original <laughs> out of the water and people will get mad at that. I'm like, no, no, it does. That original sucked. But I like how you just have no filter because you're not afraid to say, no, like, I know you guys grew up on this, but it's not good. <laughs> and, and I mean it yeah. in the most endearing way possible. I really do like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think actually, sorry. I no, actually sorry. didn't like the 2005 Amityville Horror. I watched it like a year <laughs> or two ago. I saw. I think I saw it in theaters too. I actually didn't like it. I was like, this is just Ryan Reynolds without a shirt on. And like, that's nice and he looks good. Yeah. But I... I, I don't a, like the original so much either, nah, but yeah. I, I'm a haunted, like haunted houses movies just do it for me because I lived in a haunted house and that shit just hits me really hard. And uh, so <laughs> I, that's why I, I know that's like one of my, one of the things I really like. Did you ever tell us what you liked if you liked in the mouth of madness? I can't remember if you talked um, about that or not. That's very important think, to me. <laughs> I think I liked it. I didn't hate it. Okay. I, I didn't want I'll, my time back. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not are, like I was watching a Freddy or Jason movie. And yeah. I, you know. See, there are times right. I'll mention a movie and I'll be like, cool. But no, no, you won't like this movie. Like, you will not like this movie. <laughs> I yeah, love it. I you always, will not like it. <laughs> I always ask. I always ask. I can always ask, like, Jody and our other horror friends. I'd be like, would I like this? And they're like, no. <laughs> Don't bother. <laughs> but um, but, but so, I will say, usually when you like a movie, I usually like it. So. Oh, I'll, good. I'll, I'm I'll glad to hear that. that. I'll give you that. <laughs> So, Allison, before you uh, prepare for this episode, had you watched Tales from the Crypt before? I watched it as a kid in the early 90s. Um, I think I probably watched it on, like, very scrambled HBO on my mm -hmm. huge TV in my bedroom. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I definitely knew of Tales from the Crypt. I had not pre-watched an episode until you sent me the link to this week's episode. Um 
getting that really old school HBO like intro, I was like, oh my god, it's my childhood. Oh, it hits yep. it right in the feels, <laughs> and that intro comes on. Yeah. Do you so do you remember much of those early episodes? Do you have a favorite one? Or favorite moment? Um, no, I do not have a favorite one. Um, I have to say I really like the intro. I remember the intro really clearly as soon mm-hmm. as it started. Um, and the music, I think I've heard the music from on your podcast before, um, since I watched it as a kid. But I, I was like, oh, I really like the intro. It's really creepy. So, yeah. Nice. All right. Um, well, I just want to shift to announcements for a moment before we jump into our full episode. Uh, we are launching another social media raffle. The contest starts today, February 12th, and ends on February 20th, Monday night at midnight. If you go to the link in our Instagram bio or in our tweets, you can see the link uh, you need to go to to enter. We will be selecting two winners this time, and they will each receive a $25 gift card from our friends at Fright Rags. And Mondo's even repping the shirt tonight. I am. have the Tales from the Crypt uh, EC Comics Fright Rag shirts. And uh, the one thing I said, too, about Fright Rag shirts, they are so comfy. Oh, they're amazing. So comfy. It's like in my old age, I really hate that all the fucking metal bands print their shirts on heavy gilding, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck you call it, cotton, because those shirts just <laughs> suck. Like these like soft shirts. I forgot the brand name of these, but they're they're all, but soft yeah. shirts are where they're at. Yeah. Like, the Fright Rags has all kinds of great franchises, so check them out, even if you don't win. Okay. All they right. Socks. They have some cool hats. Cool hats. They have socks, um, all kinds of stuff. All right, tonight, though, we're talking about Tales from the Crypt, the season premiere of season six. So we're talking season six, episode one, which came out on Halloween 1994. Uh, Again, they did that thing where it's three episodes all at once to start off the season. Um, We're talking about let the punishment fit the crime. Mondo, since Jody's not here, you get to do the plot synopsis. Yeah, man, once again, uh, thanks, Jody, for just dropping this on us. Now I have to figure this out. So I'm going to be reading a lot from a website here, but I'm not going to go super, super deep on this one because it's, uh, but it's a great episode. But it's a, uh, I won't get to how I like the episode. But we start out, we're, we're on a, in a courtroom in the town of Sticksville. Uh, as, as we learn that that's how it's pronounced. And it's uh, a lawyer named Geraldine Ferret. She's been arrested because, her, we, as we find out, her license plate has not enough characters in there. And they're also in the state of New York, where Allison's from, so I guess this is perfect. Um, I shouldn't have told everyone where you're from after Jason <laughs> your name on the podcast. But <laughs> what street? And we'll be posting a list of her fears and her physical home address on our Instagram if anybody wants to see it. Yes. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's it's not scary enough being a woman. Thank you. And uh, so she's she's in the courtroom and she's seeing these people. You have a guy in a wheelchair, and uh, it's very important. As she says, "Do you have representation?" He goes, "No." Well, you find out real fast. She's a lawyer, and um, she hands him her business card and says, "Well, drop. I know you have a lawyer, but drop your lawyer and come talk to me because I'm a better lawyer." And we find out really, really fast. She's an ambulance chaser too, and um, and no offense to lawyers, there are some good lawyers out there, but mm, a lot of them, just saying, like not not where where they should be. But she finally, um, she gets a public defender named Haggard, uh, which is such a a great name for a uh, for a, a public defender, um, who tells her like, "Hey, we have to go see the judge." Luckily, we're not going to see the judge in courtroom B. We're going to see the judge in courtroom A, kind of. So she goes in the courtroom, and uh, he gets her a plea deal for this license plate issue. And the plea deal is for if she pleads guilty, she'll only get ten lashes. Which is because they're they're very strict in this town. Yes, keep saying very strict in this town, and she starts off by saying ten ten dollars, no problem. Like here's your ten dollars. He's like, no, 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 ten lashes. So she goes, fuck that. I want to fight the case because I'm not wrong. So she fights the case, and it seems like she's actually going to win because she proves that the space between Sue and me makes it six characters, which is legal in the state of New York. Um, which is also really odd because nowadays, if you try to get a, if you try to actually get a personalized license plate, it has to be approved. It goes through an approval process before it ever comes to you. And there's actually a website out there you can look at reasons why certain personalized plates were um, denied. It's a really funny website because people will try to get the raunchiest names ever and try to say, "Oh, it's a family name." And they're like, "Yes, no. man." They're like, no, eat shit is not a family name. <laughs> <laughs> Eat shite family. It reminds me of in Robin Hood Men in Tights when the, the witch's name is Latrine. And he's like, <laughs> she's like, I changed my name to Latrine. Like he's like, You change your name to Latrine? So like, yeah, it used to be shithouse. 
But uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Allison, you, it's a Mel Brooks film. You'd like that movie if you haven't seen it. I have not seen it's it. It's not so. horror. Anyhow, though, she gets she tells him the space counts as a plate, and you can tell the judge is kind of like, ah, oh, shit, she got us. So they're I think they're ready to let her off, and then here comes Haggard running back in. And by the way, Haggard played by uh, the actor, which I know Jason has written down. Here, McDicole. I love him so much. Um, so good. Played Renfield uh, in in Dracula Dead and Loving It, and he played the uh, sidekick to Vigo. Uh, the Carpathian in Ghostbusters mm. 2. He's absolutely loved him. So he comes in and hands us all the way he does it. He hands a judge a folder with like all of her misdeeds. <laughs> like, yeah, all her clippings. This. I'm going to get you off and hands him the folder. And I also love this thing he does where he turns around, he like, cups his mouth, goes like, I got you. I got you. We're good. Because they are not good. <laughs> and the judge looks at that and he just sends her to guilty anyways. Even though she's obviously proven she's not guilty. He's like guilty. You're guilty because you just suck as a human being. And she gets sentenced to 100 lashes. Which, like, that would kind of suck. So, so they're taking her away for her lashes. They take her down this hallway with a dungeon, and she's freaking out, like, oh my God. Uh, and then in runs, in runs uh, Haggard, who's like, no, no, no. Another judge is going to hear your case. We got it. We got, or sorry. What is he? He goes, no, no, we got, I, we got you off. I got you off. You're free to go. You're going to be free to go. So she's like, finally, and she gives him shit, like, slams him against the wall, and she goes to leave. And as she's leaving, they're like, well, you can't leave because you're under arrest again because it's illegal in Sticksville, who are a very strict town, to give your business card or try to solicit someone who already has a lawyer. Now he goes to courtroom. She goes to courtroom B, which is judge a different judge who looks just like the first who's, who is the first judge. Like it's the it's, same it's, actor, yeah, the same actor, but it's the brother. And I love it. She goes, "It's the same guy." And Haggard goes, "No, definitely. I don't understand how you see that." I think he thinks about it. He goes. Yeah, maybe a little. Maybe you can see a little bit of a resemblance. Like, I think <laughs> but, they're related. Yeah, yeah. I love how they play that up. So they get her for um, uh, the business card issue. And this time they sentence her to uh, being pilloried, meaning being a stocks with your hands, your head through one of those big, like, ancient pillars for one year. So um, they're taking her down there, and she sees, oh, maybe this is before, maybe it's the 100 Lashes part, when she sees the guy crying into his face, and he has his nose cut off. Mm. Which I thought was a really, really cool visual. And yeah, then, that was really uh, cool. It's like, what are you crying for? Because they took my nose and his nose is gone. And, and now she gets put in the pillories. So she's in the pillory. She's starting to freak out and she starts seeing. I don't know if we're supposed to believe they're real or everybody else can see. Well, they can, I know at least Haggard can see them because you see these ghosts of her past. Like the guy, he, he, he's got a hole in his heart because he couldn't get a pacemaker because she sued the pacemaker company and put them out of business and he had to get all these costly surgeries. And someone else who couldn't get a pacemaker and died because they couldn't afford health care because of her being a, a, you know, a famous class action lawyer. So she's freaking out, losing her mind as they're coming forward. And um, next, you know, Renfield comes in. He goes, I got you an appeal. Not Renfield. Sorry. Haggard comes in. Says, no, I, got I like the appeal. <laughs> I got you the appeal. So they go in front of the final judge. And it's in this weird, like, small courtroom. And by the way, my wife pointed this out. And, and I immediately thought this earlier, too. Is this move? This, this episode has such nothing but trouble vibes. Yeah. I was thinking that, too. Yeah. <laughs> But, but, but Jason, I'm going to bet you'd give this episode a higher rating than nothing but trouble. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, so uh, so she goes to last judge and just looks at it and goes, hmm, sentences her to death by electrocution <laughs> for the act of giving someone her business card. Like, what? It's a very strict town. And uh, and they also show while she's going through all this, they show all these like. You know, you could have a lot of courthouses. They'll have like historical paintings or photos on the wall. All their photos are of executions from like, the 1900s, uh, the early or the early uh, yeah, the early 1900s. And um, so then Ren uh, Haggard goes, "Let me, let me, let me talk to you, Judge. Let me, let me approach the bench." Which I, I, I love this part because he goes to approach the bench and it's huge, just like 15 feet in the air, and he has to, like reach up and you just see his face. <laughs> This like face over the edge of the edge of it, and he talks to the judge, and they're talking, and he finally says, "Well, you know what? I got you off death. You have to go home. You you need to go back home where you're going to do community service and be a public servant and work, be a lawyer for free, basically pro bono public defender." And she goes, "Okay, that's fine. I can't wait to get out of here." So she leaves and opens a courtroom door, and it's to a room with an electric chair in it. And she goes, "What do you mean? That's not for me. Like I, you told me I get to go home." She goes, "He goes, you are home now." This is for me because <laughs> I get to leave this place. And he sits down. He's like, strap me in, boys. And they strap him in and they electrocute. And he goes, I'd rather be dead 
them be in your shoes now. And then he gets electrocuted, obviously saying that, hey, he he was a public defender the same way. He even says, he goes, I won more court cases than you could ever even imagine. Like also saying that he was a piece of shit, terrible lawyer too. Um, and he gets electrocuted, he dies. And then you see it pans in on Catherine O'Hara's face and then it pans out and she's wearing the haggard suit, the public defender suit with his shitty wig. And then uh, she screams and we end the episode, which I will say what I did love is once again, we got the throwback to the electric chair which has been, I think, in three or four seasons now where the first episodes yeah. had an electric chair in it. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. Great. Thank you, Mondo. Ugh. All right, Allison, you're our so guest. Much. You get to start us off. What did you think? Uh, I really liked it. I was afraid that because this is so old, and by so old, I mean like 20 years old, that I was going to be a little bit um, bored, but I was never like, bored. Real fast. It Almost is 30. 30, 30 years old. 30, 30 years old. Um, yeah, no, I liked it. I found it really entertaining. I didn't see the ending coming. Um, I felt a little bit like uh, Christmas Carol, where like mm-hmm. okay. the, the people from the past came to, you know, haunt her. Um, and she maybe realized that she had done shitty things. I'm sorry, can I curse? Yeah. Um, okay. I've already cursed like 18 <laughs> times. You're definitely good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I liked it. I love seeing Catherine O'Hara. I was like, oh, it's the mom from Home Alone. And I know she's been in other things, but that's what I know her from. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I had a question. Who does, I when, she, when Catherine looks at that photo in the courtroom, it's of an execution. But I feel like in the first corner that she looks in, she sees somebody that she recognizes. Or the second time I was watching it, it looks like it's two modern day looking people. In yeah, this old-fashioned photo. Huh. Yeah, I think she's just realizing that they're still doing executions like today. Like, because the first oh, couple okay. were just like old-timey photos. This one mm-hmm. is still looks like old-timey photo until you realize there's like a modern car and people wearing yeah. modern clothing. Okay. So she's like, wait, gotcha. they're still doing it. She's realizing that they're still doing executions. Yeah, I really, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. All right. Mondo. Yeah, I really enjoyed this too. Um I've always felt that sometimes I always one thing about this episode that really got to me. Hey, I love the kind of the um the, the color palette they used. Where it's very dark, very dreary, and almost looked old timey for being set in the in the nineties. Um uh Catherine O'Hara too, by the way, fantastic in this with her facial expressions. And she was an old SCTV actress, if you guys ever were ever in SCTV. Mm-hmm. So she was like, you know on that comedy scale with Rick Moranis and John Candy and just, just a lot of greats there. I thought you really hammed it up. And, and I mean that in the best way possible, because as we've talked about tales from the crypt is that perfect platform for actresses and actors just to go over the top and ham it up. <laughs> and I thought her interactions with Haggard, because I love the Haggard character too, where she, even though she's hamming up, she's still the straight man in this. Whereas Haggard is just as over the top public defender, always making the faces, always making the weird, and that and he's so good as an actor, almost having that rubber face and and all, and, and and pushing his character through with this facial, and then uh, and then the judge being super like, and even the actor who played the judge, each judge he played differently. Mm-hmm. What was the first one was definitely the the most lenient judge, even though he was fucking crazy when he's like, shit did. Six characters, like son of a bitch. I think she's right. <laughs> he was so upset. And the second judge is right away sentence, and the third judge is being like death, fucking death for this uh, small infraction. And I also felt like throughout the episode, you got this sense of just dread because, granted, there's no character you're really rooting for in this. Um, every character is, or every all the main characters are all just proven to be terrible people. But it, you still get that feeling of like, man, I could, I could imagine, I couldn't imagine being in their shoes and with no exit. Like you, uh, again, no point is there any. You never think like, oh, she's definitely going to get out of this safely. Uh, you just know that bad shit's going to happen and bad shit's going to happen to everybody. And at, at the end, to be honest, like she got what she deserved for being a terrible human being. And, and even at the beginning, I think she's talking to her husband on the phone about Nick's tickets. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm going to grab some food. She's like, just fucking go to the game and deal with it like you don't have to eat you shitty human being you um have you ever seen a knicks game allison no I'm, no i i don't like basketball and me either sports so i i somehow trolled everybody by saying i was gonna be an orlando magic fan because they're the worst team in the nba <laughs> and now i'm like super into them <laughs> i'm not watching the games but i am checking the results like every game they yeah. play <laughs> like, like i trolled myself into a fucking real thing which sucks uh 
but uh, I, that, I love that it used to be a thing on sitcoms where everyone had tickets to the game. And that's mm-hmm. and so many episodes of, of all these sitcoms or comedy shows or whatever are all based upon someone trying to get to a sports game, uh, which I always think was a funny <laughs> thing. Like, like Everyone just knows someone with tickets to the Lakers or to the Yankees or to the Mets. Uh, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm always in for an episode like this. I think it was really, really well done. And even though there was the, my only complaint, is a small complaint, is they showed some cool gore throughout with the prosthetics and the in the in the the ghouls. I'll say, and the end with the electrocution scene. I wish that was a little bit more graphic. I'm not like <laughs> I don't need a ton of blood and a ton of gore uh, to 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 make me happy. But I think when you're going to show all these little cool like little gore pieces, someone getting electrocuted is actually not a pretty sight. So I thought they could have done something there and made it a little bit more intense to kind of put that little cherry in the top at the very end. But that's a very small complaint of an episode that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. The the prosthetic with the nose was really gross. Yeah, I thought yes. so too. And it's one of those things you can almost imagine. Like if someone cut your nose off, how weird yeah. it'd be. Mm-hmm. But have you ever had a cold and thought, man, you know how good it feels just to cut my nose off and like dig all the <laughs> nasties? No. Never, never thought that no. your, your, your nose is stuffed no. up and you can't breathe. You're like, I should just cut my nose off and to see if I can get all this stuff out. No, just me. Mondo, Mondo, yeah. no. no, no. Okay, that that, that would not go in my dating profile. <laughs> if I was, if I was looking, wonders about cutting off all nose. Thank Christ, I've been married for 20 years. I'm gonna tell my wife this later and see if she agrees with me that it would feel really good to cut your nose off and get all that stuff out of there. Yes, uh, let us know what she's like. Said. Yeah. Like, it'd, be, it'd be like an extreme neti pot. No, like nobody. No. Damn. No. Okay. no. Like you never Keep thought. Thinking. You never thought like if you got hit in the head with an axe, it would suck, right? But that first burst of air that got into your skull and like whooshed around your brain would feel really good. No. No. no? Okay. Where's Jody? I'm, I'm gonna call Jody. I bet Jody would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jody, now real quick. All right, I'm gonna dive in. Um, yeah, I love this episode. It was really fun. Um, the, this season six is when they move production to England, and it's generally considered kind of when things start going downhill a bit for the series. So I've been kind of dreading this a little bit, um, but this was really, really good. I, I really Catherine O'Hare. She's one of the actresses where she kind of either plays a really comedic role or kind of a motherly role. Because yeah, I always think of her as uh, the mom from Home Alone. But then you have to remember her like in Beetlejuice. She did the voice of Sally in Nightmare Before Christmas. I did not know that that was her. Yeah. Wow. Oh, really? um, I, didn't, I didn't know she. That's cool. I know she did that. Yeah, she was a mighty win. And of course, Shit's Creek is just she's phenomenal. But I've never seen her play this kind of like snarling kind of villainous character before, really. And I, I kind of like I want it more. <laughs> I, want, I would love to see her do more roles like this. Um, I thought it was really fun. I like. It. I think I like it when actors play against type and then also go big. So that's my two favorite things going big and playing against type. And this is both. I think she could be a really good horror villainous, Mm -hmm. um, kind of like that movie ma almost in a role like that, where you you think she's going to be this motherly character. And then, but there's a little sinister thing behind her. I think she'd be really good in a role like that. But then, um, let's see. So this was directed by Russell McKay, who did a bunch of crypt episodes. This is the third of four that he did. Um, he did a bunch of music videos in the 70s and the 80s into the 90s. He did for ACDC, Duran Duran, Rod Stewart, Elton John, The Rolling Stones, Queen, and she did the uh, Bonnie Tyler video for Total Eclipse of the Heart. Wow. Um, he also directed the first two Highlander movies. He directed Ooh. The Shadow, um, Resident Evil Extinction, and um, he did 40 episodes of the Teen Wolf TV series that came out a couple years ago. He's also doing the Teen Wolf movie, which is coming out soon, apparently. Hmm. Uh, let's see. We are talking about Catherine O'Hara, Peter McNichol. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff. We are talking about pretty much everything, except, again, to oh. be funny, um, he did Ali McBeal, which, again, he plays a lawyer. So there's kind of funny symmetry oh, there. I, I didn't talk about his best role, though. He was a protagonist and the hero in the movie Dragon Slayer. Never seen that. Dragon Slayer is like super 80s. But if you like Conan, o- Conan O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to see, see Conan O'Brien, the destroyer. No, I even a leotard. <laughs> but if you ever watch the Conan movies, um, he uh, it's cut. Dragon Slayer is in that same vein, that early okay, I'll check fantasy. That out. And uh, surprisingly, really good. Cheesy as fuck. Don't get me wrong. You got to have mm-hmm. your. You got to be cool with those cheesy movies. Yeah, he's also in Veep, and he, he plays like this like character that just won't stop swearing. It's like over the top swearing. So if you want to see him just like let out a ton of vulgarity on people, it's pretty entertaining. I'd watch that. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd watch that too. 
I've never seen Veep. That's with the one lady from Seinfeld, right? Um, no, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Julia Dreyfus, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I was, sorry, man. I just, <laughs> I just don't understand. Again, I love her enthusiasm. I don't get Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, the judge is played by Joseph Mayer. Um, he was in the Sister Act. He was also in the Shadow, and he started acting in 1952. Damn. So, props to that guy. Damn, long career. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought this was a really fun episode. I kind of guessed that like somehow they would switch places or something like that towards the end. Hmm. Um, I kind of guessed that a little bit. I, 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 I remember did. this very vividly from watching this when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like, like the minute I saw the intro to the court, I was like, oh shit, I know exactly what episode this is. Yeah. And then I did, I read some like what people said and a lot of people theorized that this, she's actually in purgatory. She's like on the river sticks. This is the town sticks. Oh, that's a really good. I never thought yeah. about that's really good. Um, and there's a couple other like things that people smarter than me um, picked up, but yeah, it makes a lot. It makes it makes the ghouls make a lot more sense, and just the whole thing in general that yeah. she's kind of like being punished in purgatory. You know, one thing they did that I kind of was—they never actually capitalized. They never actually showed why, but when she's in the pillories and she has blood dripping on her hand. Oh yeah, I and thought that was yeah. gonna be like there was gonna be a body or yeah. something dripping from you know. Maybe it was but, um, but yeah, I mean, she, she just kills it. She kills this role. Well, I saw that pillory scene. I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't be terrible. And I'm like, oh, your back would really hurt. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like 30 seconds, I'm like, I'll do anything. Get me out. Yeah. <laughs> your back would be so stiff after a year. Um, uh, yeah. My back is stiff in, anyways. But yeah, the pillory, forget it. Um, What else? But yeah, I mean, again, this is a good, strong uh, start to the new season. Um, yeah, you really got me with a curveball about the whole um, first episodes having electric uh, electricity chairs. Yeah, I, I think um, I, ask ask Al about that when you see him because you guys are like best friends. We we did go to a convention this weekend. Yeah. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Uh, I, I want to hear about that because I uh, man, I, I I I love like I love that we started this podcast and Jason has like a bromance with Al Cat. I know. Like, did you ever did you ever think that was going to happen when you started this? It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Um, Next time I come to LA, you got to get Al out. We gotta have, I have like, oh, yeah, I totally. Al. so I can sit there and not say anything for an hour because I'll just be fucking yeah. like my introversion will come out 100%. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was a very solid episode. It was very, it was very funny. There's a lot of humor yeah. and gore and sh- a little bit of shock and everything. So, yeah, all around good episode. Yeah, I thought um, it flew by. So, yeah, I was, was never I was happy. Never no, dragged. Never dragged. Yeah, that's just a good thing. Um, okay, I want to talk about the comic. Because I, th- I thought this was really interesting. So this came from Vault of Horror 1930, uh, Vault of Horror number 33, the same issue the Strung Along uh, comic came from. And the comic has absolutely nothing to do with this episode. <laughs> it was like very vaguely about murder, but they're all kind of about murder. And there's a thing about a lawyer, but it has nothing to do. But let me tell you, this is like one of the most chilling episode uh, comics I've ever read. Okay, so it begins... On the dirt road leading through a small town, a group of children come marching down the street carrying a wooden coffin. As they make their way, a string of neighbors start talking to each other and pass information back and forth. The first neighbor theorizes that they're just burying a pet, a cat, or a dog. The neighbor, uh, the next neighbor is the undertaker, who mentions that the same group of kids came to him to ask him about funerals and burying bodies. The next neighbor is the town doctor, and the kids came to him to ask how to tell when someone's dead. The next neighbor is the electrician, and the kids ask him, uh, oh, sorry, the next neighbor is the shop owner who sold the kids a newspaper with a story about a man who was electrocuted. The next neighbor is electrician. The kids came to him to ask him about electricity and being electrocuted. This is the most. <laughs> see where this is going. This is the most fucked up like version of stand. Oh, it gets ever. worse. It gets so much worse. <laughs> the next neighbor is their teacher, and the kids came to her and asked them asked her what capital punishment was because they read the read that in the article. Real fast. This could also be a South Park episode. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. In ways, let's see. The next neighbor is the town lawyer. The kids came to him asking what crimes deserve capital punishments. He tells them only serious crimes like murder and kidnapping warrant it. The kids get to an empty lot and start to bury the coffin. The last neighbor is the judge. The kids had come to him to ask him about juries and trial by peers. Just then, as all the neighbors are just kind of standing around saying, oh, look at these cute kids pretending to have a funeral. Just then, a woman comes running up to the judge looking for her little boy, Freddie. 
the judge thought he was the kid. Uh, let's see, the judge thought he Freddie was with the group of kids, but the mom says he doesn't play with them anymore because he took something from them, and they have not forgiven him. Uh-oh. The judge is startled and asks the lawyer what he told the kids about kidnapping. The lawyer says he told the kids that when someone steals someone else's child, that's kidnapping. The mom gasps and says that Freddie took one of the girl's dolls and never gave it back. They all look in horror as they gaze over at the kids who had just finished burying the coffin. So it's applied. <laughs> yeah. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's so fucked up. It's implied Wait. that the kids are burying Freddie because he kidnapped one of their dolls. That's some weird There's Calvin and Hobbes shit right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... How did that relate to this episode? Uh, I think, well, I mean, from a production standpoint, all they have to do is use the title and they can do anything they want with the story. They don't have to do anything. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lawyer in this in the story. Man, I'm, I'm really interested. This is actually a good question for, for Al. I really am interested how they came up with this story based on that comic. If they read the yeah. comic and was like, we're not fucking doing that. So it's oh, no. <laughs> But like, it's a really well done comic because it's just like these little panels of all the. It's like a it's a game of telephone between all these neighbors. I haven't they're read each it yet. kind of regaling. Hmm? I haven't read it yet. I'm going to read it though. Uh, yeah, each neighbor is like regaling to the next one what the kids told them, and they're all just kind of piecing it together. And like the first neighbor said, that, oh, it's probably cat or dog. So then all of them just start saying, oh yeah, they're bringing a cat and dog. Like just be, they just accept it as fact. Like down the line, the further it goes. Like, uh, the one thing I looked up when watching this episode is what's interesting. I think it was um, in season one. It that episode came out right after they or they literally the episode was, was being made and came out right after the execution of uh, Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. I think it was Ted Bundy when people were really still, you know, for the past you know, 30, 40 years, people have been debating whether death penalty is good or not um i'm on the side of it's not good just saying uh but um this year was actually the year that john wayne gacy was executed and i oh, really? wonder if they kind of went with that again is i think he was executed i looked it up earlier i think around june or july of no no sorry april or may of that year and i wonder if that was if during writing that eh, the production probably have already wrapped at that point so Maybe, maybe not. I think well i think this episode is more to say about healthcare and um you know lawyer the, the nature of the lawyer as a profession yeah and getting rich as a lawyer um I'll, I'll never forget when i got in my first really bad car accident when someone ran a red light and totaled my car i mean you know, me i'm standing on the sidewalk afterwards waiting for the cops to show up and this guy comes running out of his apartment in his boxer shorts to hand me his card and he's a lawyer <laughs> god i did not use him <laughs> good like, oh, I heard um, this is kind of like <laughs> this is kind of like that one saw movie where, where it's about healthcare. <laughs> All of them. What saw movie is that? The whole there's a saw movie where he like traps a bunch of people from like a healthcare company is like trying to. The whole franchise is about healthcare though. Well, yeah, but there's one very. No, I'm saying, but there's one very specific episode where he targets all these people in the health insurance um, company. So they they talk about healthcare, but I think it's more of an indictment of the the whole insurance industry. Period. But I think isn't isn't saw about appreciating what you have in your life. Yes, but they also yes. point out that like the uh, main the jigsaw started what he had because his healthcare his healthcare company denied him treatment that he needed to potentially save his life. Oh, okay. And then yeah, I mean that's the thing for the whole thing. But there's one very specific one where it's like all the all the people in the traps are all members all, all work for the same healthcare organization or health insurance organization. I have a friend that I worked at Apple who's going through. He he basically beat prostate cancer. Now it's coming back sadly. Mm. And he there's a, there's a drug they wanted to try which is experimental, and his insurance company denied him. So he, mm. if he wants to try it, it's going to cost him like nine thousand dollars, and it's pretty shitty because it's like you're fucking doctor tells you what you might need to save your life and insurance yeah. company goes no nah, that's not profitable denied and it's god that mm, this irks no. me to no end yeah he could fight it though he could try to submit the claim over and over yeah he's he's working on it but still though like you think that like if the doctor says you need this a healthcare company should be, yeah cool yeah the doctor oh, yeah the doctor for all these years has totally um said you need this so yes let's do this but the fact that it's the fact that the insurance industry is a pro- is a profitable industry, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, there's a lot of issues with that. Yeah, also Sorry, I forgot I, you I worked in the HR. Yeah, no, but I know I don't mean to be defending health insurance companies. Oh, you're them, not, you're not. I, but, I know uh, what you're doing. I, I work for one, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damage. Yeah, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, I got a uh, 
I got an estimated bill that they wanted me to pay the entirety of before I had surgery in October. And I was like, I was like, here's $500. And then the, then I never got the rest of the bill because I guess they overestimated. So. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it, All right. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Oh, no, yes. we do. Because <laughs> Why fucking not? insurance is a goddamn scam. I got in a minor car accident. Um, and I, they deemed me at fault because even though I slammed on my brakes, because the other person basically ran an intersection because I was turning and they were going straight, I got cited. Um, not by the police because we're, going, we're both going into a, uh, into a, into a shopping complex. Um, but they ended up, they had no injuries. No one had any injuries, but they sued me because they know, cause again, they, they went to a lawyer, a fucking ambulance chasing lawyer who knows that the insurance company will just pay off to not have a deal with it. So tip, if you ever want a fucking insurance company over, all you have to do is say you're injured, call a lawyer and they'll get you whoever that person's maximum amount of insurance of insurance is. It's such a fucking scam industry. Wait, can you say that again? I need some money. Yeah. So. Um, all you basically have yeah. to do is get hit by somebody, <laughs> not get hurt and then sue them. Because they're not going to pay. The insurance company will pay. And what will happen yeah. is the lawyer will settle for the maximum amount of your insurance policy. No. I, it's I'm so good. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if I would survive getting hit by a car. So you, I, I should, not. Yeah, we're not liable for any um, <laughs> legal advice so, that's given on this show. It's so funny. Mondo Esquire. It's a funny story. I still had to go like do a, a, do a <sighs> testimony over all this. So I'm in the car with Geico's lawyer. We're driving to the other lawyer's office. I have to give a, a statement, which uh, which also is an uncomfortable thing because they started fighting. And I'm like just that little kid. is like, oh, mommy and daddy are fighting. I'm just sitting here. Uh, but <laughs> we're, we, we go. We're driving, right? And a green light goes. So we go. And a guy blows the light and almost hits us. And oh, the no. uh, and the lawyer goes, "Man, I'm insured for like ten million dollars. We would both be retired." And I was like, "Why, why did you stop?" <laughs> <laughs> I still think about that. But if you're all right, if you want to piss a lawyer off, though, the I, I my my lawyer did laugh and say that was the best answer I've ever heard. The guy goes, "What do you think of you could have done to not have? What do you think you could? What, what do you think would have happened that would have stopped this accident from happening?" I said, "If I died in my sleep that morning." <laughs> And the, and and my lawyer tried not to laugh, and the guy was fucking pissed. I'm pretty sure I saw a vein pop out of his neck. Oh, and she goes, "That was a perfect answer." Because <laughs> what they're trying to do, they're trying to get you to say, "Oh, maybe if I'd have paid more attention." They're like, "Aha, you're in paying attention." I'm like, "No, if I didn't get out of bed this that morning, maybe that wouldn't have happened." <laughs> Just saying. All right, let's move on to our episode rating. Allison, what do you rate this episode? Zero to five, five being the best, zero being the worst. You can do half points. Um, I'm going to give this four out of five because I really enjoyed it, and I, I don't, I don't have anything else to compare it to from the series. That's but I enjoyed fine. it. So four to five is an awesome. Uh, four point five. Not yeah. quite a five because I'm missing just something. I don't know quite what. Um, but as I said, if I finish the episode and don't immediately say five, it can't be a five. But damn, it's close. Yeah, I'm really torn between a four and a four point five. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what this episode could have done to be better. It doesn't feel like best of the best, but definitely one I would recommend. Um, I'll go with the four. Very, very good episode. I even think this one's episodes where it's got a lot of great tension. But I think you could show this to a newer horror fan, or even I think mm-hmm. like your your. I think you could show your kids this. I think. I think, and mm, except for the ghouls, that's the only part. Uh, even the ghouls, like there, there's worse shit in Courage the Cowardly Dog. Uh, maybe may just desensitize. I don't know, but uh, yeah, maybe the goals. I I, I should you know Jason's the one with the the younger children, so I should maybe uh, heed to his recommendation. I would, no, I would not show this to my eight year old. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would show this to my twenty year old. That's okay. Well, yeah, that's yes. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. We're gonna move on to Al's anecdotes. Hi, it's Alan. Season six began on a strange note. Gil and I got punished for our success. Since season three, when we climbed aboard Crypt, we'd always brought the show in not just on budget, but under budget. So rather than give us our regular budget at the start of season six, Joel gave us the budget we'd spent, minus a few dollars. He figured we would figure that out too. Of course, we weren't happy. One of the first people to take the punch was Let the Punishment Fit the Crimes director, Russell Mulcahy. Russell's the sweetest guy on the planet. He's a fabulous director who directed a bunch of great episodes already. Seasons three, four, and five were all produced the same way. Every episode and director got five days of prep, five days to shoot. One of our solutions to our season six imaginary budget problem was to keep some episodes at five days, 
But to try and prep and shoot a few in four days, that's 20% less time. It's a challenge to all concerned. We hoped Russell, having done a bunch of episodes and being a quick director anyway, would see the challenge and embrace it. Well, he saw the challenge just fine, but he definitely didn't embrace it. Russell was very upset, to put it mildly, but he did it. He made the episode in four days, and it's a good episode. It's got Catherine O'Hara in it. She could stare back at the camera for 30 minutes, and it would still be great. Now, as to the episode's story, that was completely the work of a very good writer named Ron Finley. Gil and I knew Ron because we'd all had the same manager, a guy named Alan Kassir. Ron wrote five episodes in all. To be honest, I have zero memory of the original comic or its story. I liked Ron, and I trusted him. I kept my script revisions to a minimum. At the end of season six, Crypt fled Los Angeles entirely. We made Bordello of Blood in Canada, and now we were shooting the show itself in London. On the one hand, taking Crypt to London was a blast. Both Gil and I are married to Brits. Our wives loved being back in London. And being in London gave us access to actors and locations we would never have gotten if we'd stayed in L.A. But we didn't go to London for a creative reason. We went there for the same reason we took Bordello of Blood to Vancouver, to stick it to the IA, the union that represented our crew. I'll go into greater detail over time about Crypt's misadventures in London. Our attention was divided between doing the show in a strange place and getting Bordello finished. Soon enough, the wheels would come off the wagon entirely. See you next time. And we're back. Mondo, give us your song of the day. Man, we haven't heard from Alan forever. It feels good to hear from Alan again. Um, all right. So I have a, uh, a very simple song today. It's by a band from New York uh-huh, called Propane. And propane accessories. Uh, but <laughs> it's by a, a New York hardcore band. They're kind of a crossover thrash band. I was, they call them crossover bands, kind of what Suicide Tendencies was doing, where it's kind of had a little, some, maybe some like hip hop elements in there with the delivery of vocals um, and some thrash metal and some New York hardcore. And it was our first record from 1992, Propane's Foul Taste of Freedom. And uh, the song I picked off that record is the title track, Foul Taste of Freedom. Uh, if anybody's a punk fan out there, uh, the front man whose name was, oh, man, I think it was Dan? Dan, was it Dan? Uh, Gary. Gary um, also played in the punk band The Crumb Suckers uh, from way back in the day. But if it, the, 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 it's funny because like, the lyrics are super... Uh, it's not funny, but the lyrics are super left wing. But it's funny when you hear these songs that are political from 1992, and you put them under today's lens, still makes sense. It's the same shit, <laughs> same shit we're fucking dealing with now, and it's it's kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> History repeats itself. Yeah, I mean the, the the first verse is young, dumb, and helpless in the states. You say you ain't got no money. I can relate. I lost my job and my house and my peace of mind. We're in the deepest depression of modern times. Like, and then it goes even more so. But my my, my, my favorite line is Yankee Doodle Dickweed went to town, but Apple Pie and Chevrolet shot him down. A patriotic, fat-headed sucker freak is proud to serve the country that had served him weak. It's a, but the whole album is actually really, really good. It's the only propane record I really ever liked, really ever got into. Cause um, it's still in those bands I had to look up before we did the show. Like, ah, they were all like bald head. Maybe sure they're not Nazis before I, before I put them on, before I promote them. Yeah, now you have to check. Like 30 years after the fact, are they Nazis yet? Uh, I haven't checked, but sometimes though, I think that when you take a piece of music like that in, in that, like they, they might all be like gun-toting Republicans at this point. I don't know. But but in the moment, though, back in the 90s when that came out, I think you can still listen to this song and look at it and be like, oh, fuck, that makes a lot of sense when you put it to to what's going on in the world nowadays. And that's, I mean, t- Black Sabbath's War Pigs came out in 1970, yeah. and holy shit, does it still make sense today? Yeah. Or Children of the Grave for Master Reality. Like the whole song's about like if we don't start embracing love instead of hate – We'll be chil- we won't be children of the world. We'll be children of the grave. Like, fucking damn it. Why do we not listen to Black Sabbath? <laughs> they knew we should, what- listen to Bla- we should all listen to Black Sabbath. Geezer and Iomi knew what the fuck was up back in the 70s, 50 years ago, and we didn't heed those warnings. God damn us. Yeah. Goddamn politicians. Oh. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Mondo. Uh, since Jordy's not here, we don't have any news or trivia prepared, but we thought we'd do a quick round of what you've been watching. Uh, I'm going to start off. I 
tried to watch Skinamarink last night and I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, Allison, have you seen that? Yeah, I went to go see it in theaters when it was oh. in theaters for a weekend. How was that in the theater? I can't imagine. Um, it was good because everyone was really tense the entire time waiting for something big to happen. Uh-huh. Um, and so the couple of times that there was like a big noise or like a jump scare of some sort, like everyone jumped together and then there was like a big tension release. Um, but yeah, I was my friend that I saw it with really, she really liked it. Um, I, I enjoyed it for the experience. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Expectations play a big part in movies like this. So like my expectations have been so up and down and then, but, and also knowing kind of what I was in for. Yeah. Um, I just kind of was like, okay, I'm just going to roll with this. I had headphones on. I found the crackling noise kind of soothing in a way. I think that might have put me, it was like (laughs) ASMR movie. Um, and I'll f- and I've, I felt like it's going to be such a topic this year that I, like, I want to watch it just so I can say I can be part of that discussion and not just be like, well, yeah. I heard. So um, I'll probably finish it at some point. I'm only have like half an hour left, I think, um, just okay. just to finish it off. But And I appreciate that they were trying something different that they, you know, they haven't made the movie before. So I can't poo-poo yeah. them for that. Um, well, yeah, and, and not all movies are for all people. And the, the mm-hmm. fact that anytime like a small independent film like this gets put in the theaters, I think it's a good oh, thing yeah. for horror in general. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It gets people talking about horror. I'm happy. So that, and I've been watching um, The Last of Us has been fantastic. Have you watched the, the third episode, which is supposed yeah. to be? Yeah, I haven't watched that uh, yet. I, I heard so it's going to be heavy, and I'm like, oh, I don't want that right there. It's not as bad as people. I mean, it's definitely like. It definitely hits you, but yeah. it, it's not like the worst, like most saddest thing I've ever seen. I, I really enjoyed the first two episodes, and I'm I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but I've been really enjoying it. Uh, if anything, I like the more. I actually I don't care as much about the the main plot as I do like the flashbacks, the before times, or like the kind of side people. Like the main plot is kind of like oh, this kind of okay. They're trying to get point A, point B. Yeah. It's more the you know the side things that are kind of happening, or like I said, the the, the before sequences. I really enjoy. Um, Mondo, what have you been watching? So I watched today. I watched that new Netflix movie with Jonah Hill and Lauren London and Eddie Murphy called You People. Uh, not a fan. Not it's a not fan. where I thought you were going with that. Well, so it looked good, right? I, I think, you know, I thought Lauren London was awesome in it. I like Eddie Murphy. I like uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, I was like, let me just give this a shot. And I thought it's just, I don't know, man. Jason, I want you to watch a movie. As a Jewish man, I want you to watch the movie because I the way they portrayed Jewish people, I'm like, <laughs> I don't. Anytime this. I hear, I want you to watch this because you're Jewish. As I'm a like, Jewish oh, man, yeah, I, wa- I yeah. want him to think like I was like, hmm. I don't think they're portrayed like I think they portray the David Duchovny and uh, Julius Dreyfus as just so over the top, like every Jewish stereotype you hear. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie Murphy plays um, a uh, you know obviously a man who's found um, he's become Muslim, and they play him like over the top too. Like they're taking these two cultures and almost playing them over the top for laughs, which is always kind of weird to me. Like it's I'm okay. You can be Jewish in a film, but not have like every fucking stereotype you know attached to you, or be like yeah you found like. This is going to sound really weird, but Oz is a great show of HBO, which showed like how people found became Muslims, but it wasn't played for last over the top. It was played very seriously and for the right reasons. I think that was really weird. And then it, it turned, it's like a fucking turn into like a, this rom-com or by the end, I'm like, I just fucking hate this movie. I hate like the way they portray the characters, the way they portrayed, like how they fell in love. The only, the only thing I like about it is like the actual interaction between Lauren London and Jonah Hill, I think is really good. And I, I really like that. And they actually bring up some really like interesting points, but then, and just gloss over them with like shitty humor. So I'm gonna say like just fucking thumbs down for that movie. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be checking that out. But I did like again. This, I'm talking about a lot of non horror stuff. So I'm watching a lot of non horror stuff. But um, uh, Poker Face on Peacock when the Tasha yeah, really Leone, watch it. Fucking awesome. That that show is my shit good. right now. It's so good. It's so good, and she's such a good actress. Um, yeah, I love her. Yeah, and and the and the fact they have all uh, some really cool like. Um, you know, in the first, I'm not spoiling anything here, but in the first episode, like Adrian Brody's a main character in the first episode, and uh, I really have been enjoying uh, been, been enjoying Poker Face. So I haven't watched Skinamarink. Um, I tried watching a couple independent horror films a day, and they just fell flat for me. Like, 
I, I respect everyone out there trying to make horror movies, but sometimes like you gotta have someone telling you, dude, like this isn't good. Like, your idea is not good. Your your like you're filming on an iPhone. It's not good. Like, you're fil- like <laughs> I miss film. Um, and then I watched The Mist, which I've seen a thousand times, but yeah, well, that was a good time. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love it. My, fa- my favorite rom com. So. <laughs> The tentacle when, and um, when, when he when when they spoiler when he killed them at the end <laughs> knee slapping good time yeah now he gets to live and he doesn't have any responsibilities <laughs> happy ending to me uh, oh. Allison what'd you watch um let's see this week I watched um the movie Missing which is in theaters right now Ooh. oh how was that um I, I really good I also really liked Searching mm-hmm. um. I, I think this one is really worth seeing in theaters. It's probably good to also watch on your laptop, but I also didn't get distracted when I watch things on my laptop because I get like notifications and stuff popping up. Um, but I really, I enjoyed it. And there were people, there were a lot of people in the theater, which really surprised me. Um, but like at certain like twists and reveals, people were like, oh, like they were actually That's like cool. into it and gasping. Nice. So I think it's really worth seeing. Um, and then I also watched um, The Offering, which is a new um horror movie about um a a guy and his wife who come back to his his family home which is also a funeral parlor parlor um in orthodox jewish brooklyn Mm. and they're estranged and um there was just a little girl that was buried there and weird things start start to happen um it's like the autopsy of jane doe meets um Krampus, because it also tells the story of a Jewish Krampus-like figure, and that's the demon, sort of, that's nice. in the body of somebody that Ooh. is in the morgue. So it was really good. It's you can rent it on VOD right now. And then, did you, Allison? Did you see the vigil? Yeah, it was really good. I really yeah. like. Um, I I don't know if you saw, but we have an interview with the director. Oh, cool! Um, I'll have to yeah. check that out. Really cool guy. The one thing about yeah. the offering, I saw you talk about it, so I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch this because the way you describe them is great, mm-hmm. but. When I saw the tagline that they show, like on iTunes, it's like a family moves into a house and weird things happen. I'm like, you like, yeah. and it's. An, I hate that movies do this. Give me the most boring tagline ever that makes you yeah. not want to watch a movie. <laughs> then I heard you say it was, you know, a, a Jewish Krampus meets Autopsy of Jane Doe, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm in for that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then the last thing I saw on Friday night, I went to go see uh, Knock at the Cabin. So uh, what do you think? Without spoilers, yeah, without spoilers, how was it? I mean, there's not really any way to spoil it. You know what it's about from when you're going into it. Um, I love the book. Absolutely love the book. So I, that's I'm really wondering how the movie holds up, and um, I'm I'm, I'm both excited and scared to watch it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, some parts of it were entertaining. I thought the ending fell flat a little bit. Um, I've heard that the ending is completely different from what's in the book. Ooh. So. And that there's a big a big plot change, but I won't say what it is. Mm, now I'm super so. interested. Um, how was Dave Bautista in this? He was great. He was great. Um, I, I not sta- super familiar with him, but he was lovely. Well, a former WWF wrestler, I stand by him being the best ex wrestler turned uh, movie star <laughs> because oh. like because like The Rock. Let's be honest, The Rock's cool, right? The Rock's just he, but he plays The Rock in every every fucking movie he's in. Yeah, I love The Rock. But Dave Bautista is actually showing like he's actually trying to be like legitimate serious actor. I do love that. Yeah. Like, the part in the trailer when he walks up with the little girl and she's, "Why are you sad?" He goes, "I'm sad for what I'm gonna have to do." Like that gave me fucking chills. Like the way he delivered that, I was like, "Oh, because I, I read the book. I know what's gonna happen." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Now everyone in the cast was was really good, especially the little girl who plays Wen. This is her first role, apparently. Nice. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then um, uh, going on to well, hold on a second. You talk about watching. I tell you, what, I just finished reading mm. uh, Nick Cutter's The Deep. I heard it's being trans- transitioned into a full film, and uh, I don't know how they're going to do a movie on this. I know it's going to disappoint me because, of the, <laughs> but the book is fucking terrifying. It's like the last hundred or so pages was really difficult to get through, and the fact that I have to kind of keep putting it down because I was like, all right, I need like a an eye bleach break here or a brain bleach break here to, <laughs> to, to get rid of what I just fucking read. So I uh, highly recommend that. I loved his book, The yes. Troop, as well. I can't read any of those because I hear that there are, like, huge chunks of, like, animal mutilation in them. So <sighs> it is, not for me. But what I will say, though, like, it's not played for shock value. It's played because it's, part, it's an integral part of the main character's life. 
and like um the way like you can definitely tell that like the Nick Cutter has a deep love for animals because of how he writes those scenes like he definitely knows like fuck like you can tell he's kind of embracing some of his own fears in this and that's kind of why he writes it like the lead character in, in uh the deep is a veterinarian so oh, okay. like it's like when the animal stuff eventually happens like it's like ah oh, if eh, eh, I don't want to get into it but it cuts it hits deep yeah you I would say it cuts deep I was gonna make that joke but uh, I didn't See think what you it would did be there. Yeah. <laughs> if anything I'm tasteless so it's fine <laughs> all right moving on to our advice section um Allison's not a parent but she's also um of the dating app community. Um, and with Valentine's Day coming up, we thought she'd give out some tips for how not to be a creep on dating apps. Oh, um, okay. So first, um, with the don'ts on your profile, no mirror selfies. You, your phone has a timer. Use it. Um, <laughs> no shirtless photos. That's, I don't want to know what you look like without a shirt r- until r- you fast. get in. Is it somehow more endearing if someone took a shirtless photo, but they had like a dad bod? <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Like, I, like, I would, I'm, I'm just trying to find ways to make this funny. Like, I don't know if that'd be a good thing or not. Like, and then like no photos of you with animals that you've hunted because mm. I don't or guns in general. I've seen a lot of those photos. Just it's not attractive. Um, don't send a generic or an, an inappropriate first message. I will never forget. The one time years ago that I got a message on OkCupid, the first message he ever sent, it was, have you ever tried to make an omelet out of semen? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Seriously, what? Oh, my God. (laughs) That's it. That's all he asked. Man, I really fucked up back in the day when I was like just trying to meet girls. I'd be like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this 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 guy's nailed it like he's living in asl he's living in 21 yeah. for 21 23 right now what i the- only oh went God. out with him three times no i'm kidding i'm kidding you have to crack some eggs <laughs> oh uh, no and then lastly don't Solid. don't ghost <laughs> don't ghost anyone just tell them you're not interested it'll be fine um i've had men tell me that before and i'm always like cool have fun good luck um, so, and then my do list is look at the photos that you're putting on them on your profile. Make sure you're not wearing your sunglasses in every photo. Make sure they're not all group photos. Make sure they're lit well. Um, and then be honest, be communicative, um, and go to therapy. It's more men meet, need therapy. So, yeah. Wait, oh, those are the do's for the men, not for the, not for you. No, those are, I mean, those basically for everyone but yeah what why no sunglasses because you can't really see what somebody looks like when they're wearing sunglasses mm-hmm. most people look cute when they're wearing sunglasses oh how do you feel about people that wear sunglasses indoors at night uh, it drives no, me nuts i don't know why yeah, Except, i don't know why you would do that well i had to do it at one point in my life because after i got lasik every fucking bright yeah. light well, that, yeah, but i would LASIK. literally like walk into smith's and to buy something i'd be like i, I would have, i would tell the cashier i'm so sorry but i'm really sensitive to light right now so i have to wear these <laughs> like i was so fucking like i was <laughs> i'm sure they didn't care at all yeah I'm sure they didn't like, but i was so self-conscious out. about it because i hate sunglasses <laughs> i like when i'm watching like a pro wrestling show as all these people like the one guy in the front with sunglasses on like oh you have to be like like mm. i imagine him like what's happening can someone tell me what's happening <laughs> Yeah. Like, What's like when I worked at a nursing home and all the ladies just wore sunglasses well, yeah, all the but time. I imagine a lot of times they might be sensitive to light. That makes sense. No, I, I know. I know. Yeah. Or like uh, an ex friend of mine because he turned out to be a QAnon fucking insane person. Um, yeah. Ever, you know, it doesn't like me because I don't, because I'm a Democrat and I'm going to ruin his kids' lives apparently. But anytime he would take a picture with a rock star, he'd be the guy with sunglasses on. And I'm like, oh, so you're cooler than Ronnie James Dio. No, you're not. <laughs> um, wow. Well, can, can thank I you for sharing those because I'm, I'm, I met my wife before the dating apps were a thing. And God, I'm so happy I don't have to deal with that. I, I met my wife through AOL Match back in fucking like 2001. 
and oh, it was just oh, funny because she was looking for like I just put some bands I liked on my profile. Just a bit. it was it started as a joke between me and a friend of mine who's like, oh, man, you never meet a girl with these metal bands you like." I'm like, "Hey, I haven't had a problem in the past, but." Um, so I put some some bands I liked on my profile, and she she's searching for one of the bands, and it popped up, and then we start talking, and fucking we'll be celebrating twenty one years of marriage in in August. Um, have you ever? Okay, I ask you a question too. What's the what's the funniest opening line anyone's ever given you that you weren't just grossed out by? Has anyone ever come out with like a, just a really great like funny intro message to you? I'm sure there may have been them. It could have been that um, good if you don't remember. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. My ex, my first message to him was, did you go to such and such high school with that? I went to because I saw his hometown was the same as mine. So I'm sure that was not one he got often. Um, But one other do that I want to put on this list is do set up a date rather than just message back and forth endlessly and like get on the phone with the person. I know everyone's afraid of talking on the phone, but you will get a much better idea of what the person is like if you talk to them on the phone definitely definitely and, and, and the last thing i'll ask you for so tips for our people that are trying who are trying to to date what is the best way to open a conversation with somebody yeah uh find something in their profile and ask them about it okay cool i like that yeah nice. I, I think that's a good tip for like too if you're also if you're ever um if you listen to people and then, like, if you're ever yeah. in, it just this works in business too. Like, if you're listening to somebody and you can just ask them a question about something they talked about, like, oh, I like this, whatever, movie, band, whatever, and you can ask them a question about that, like, you'll get people to talk. And it's kind of a, a cool thing um, to use. Like, you can say it's a, it's a business hack too if you want to talk to, talk to clients. Find yeah. Like so you're interested it. in somebody yeah. and like things that they like. I mean, you have a podcast based on talking to people about things they like. So it's, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Nice. Okay. Well, that wraps up another episode. Allison, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Where can people uh, find you? Uh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm so glad I got to rewatch an old episode of Tales from the Crypt. That was so much fun and hang out with you guys. Um, you can find me online um, at whostherepodcast.com. Um, I am at that girl Allison on Twitter, and you can find my, um, my show's Twitter through that. And yeah, subscribe to my podcast and let me know if you want to come on and be a guest. I interview people in the industry and just people who love horror movies in general. So yeah, hit me up. And before we go, I have a question for both of you. Does a jacket, does a hoodie count as a jacket? No. (laughs) Jason? Does a, like a hoodie sweatshirt or like a zip up hoodie? A zip up hoodie. Does it count as a jacket? If it has a zipper, it's a jacket. If it's just like... A sweatshirt that happens to have a hoodie, then no, it's a sweatshirt. A sweatshirt is a type of shirt. Yes. Well, it's just one on one. So uh, I'm going to have Jason post this as a poll on our Twitter. I want to know what people think. Because Allison would not let it go that I was in New York in six degree weather and brought a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, he was cold. It was last January. I was we cold. were walking around the village and he was freezing because it was. You know, 30 degrees. It was way colder than 30. It was, it was 30 degrees. It would have been awesome. Were you wearing like shorts and flip-flops or something? No, I had jeans no. on with, with, uh, with, uh, and you couldn't see these obviously, with thermals underneath my jeans. Oh, uh, okay. Um, okay. I had a thermal. I'd much rather. <laughs> I can t- okay. I'm, a, I'm more down with that. <laughs> no. No, guys, put a put a coat on. Next time I'll bring you a coat. Okay, you can tell Mondo, me. if you're not. Oh, I bu- I bought a more a thicker, more insulated uh, zip up hoodie <laughs> for the for next time I have to go to the uh, the East Coast. Oh my god! No. Uh, Jason, so one time I had to go to Los uh, to Atlanta in January, and I had to find a heavy winter coat. In Los Angeles, and <laughs> there was none. Like, no, everywhere I went, no one had it. That was my joke to Allison. Like, dude, like you can't find a heavy coat. Like I don't know yeah. what a heavy coat is because <laughs> I live in the desert. There have to be thrift stores. No, but so. I don't understand what a heavy coat really is because I don't oh. I live in that cold of a climate and ever justify buying one. We have REI well, and stuff. Next time I come out, trust me, I'm buying something insulated well, and warm. If you okay, don't yeah, know I just don't want to go to REI and spend like three hundred dollars on a coat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can, you know, if you don't know what a winter coat is, you can just Google what makes a winter coat a winter coat. 
We do have he doesn't know how to use the internet. Oh, we do have the internet. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, All right. We Next week, we will be reviewing Only Skin Deep. We appreciate everyone for listening. We'd really appreciate it if you would give us a rating review on the iTunes, a rating on Spotify, and check out our Patreon for bonus content, including Mondo and Andy's uh, WrestleMania or Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble, goddammit. Royal damn Rumble <laughs> review. Also, check out our YouTube for videos of these podcasts. And hey, go enter our giveaway to earn uh, win some uh, Fright Rag swag. And with that, we listen. Uh, and with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. Adios. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs>